Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Shep Hyken here on Amazing Business Radio. Excited to be back with another great episode. And in just a little while, we're going to be talking with Lynn Hunsaker, who is the author of Innovating Superior Customer Experience. And I'm excited. I know Lynn just through social media. We've interacted and tweeted with each other. Uh, she's been part of different tweet chats, and I've been reading some of her articles. Very interesting person. The whole focus is going to be on customer experience. And one of the things I'm often asked is, what's the difference between customer service and experience? And service is really uh, people connecting with people and creating a great service experience. It can also be um, one another definition is, you know, people think of it as the customer service department and who you call for customer service when there's a problem or a question. Uh, as you know from listening to me for years and years, or at least uh, as long as I've been doing this show, I believe it's a philosophy, not a department. It's everybody's job. And as a result of that, um, I want to talk about a company that I wrote about, oh, I'm going to say a couple of years ago, and that's Olark. And uh, they are essentially um, a company that was started in 2009, I believe, and they are uh, a live chat software company. So one of the things that their founders uh, thought was very important is that everybody uh, – get involved in customer service. Now, remember, we're going to be talking about customer experience in a minute, but let me tell you how this feeds into it. Everybody has to get involved in customer service. And what that meant was the four guys that started the company uh, realized that one person couldn't handle uh, all of the service calls, so they split them up. Obviously, they took shifts and they did overlap. And basically, everybody, all four of the the people that started, uh, they had to deal with customer service issues. Now, what that allowed each person to do was to hear the problems, the complaints, and sometimes the accolades, if there were, uh, from customers, getting real feedback. And you're, you're learning not just to deal with, with problems and answer questions. You're, you're saying to yourself, wow, this is what the customer is. Are you ready? Here's the word. Experiencing when they use our product. It's causing them friction. It's causing them problems. It's causing them uh, to call us because they need help. So what can we do to make that experience better? What can we put into the product? Where could we design a better customer experience? From the very beginning of the journey that the customer makes through their finally, you know, our regular customers, they love us to death, along that journey and even beyond, what are we doing to enhance the experience, make the experience easier, better, more efficient. Uh, Again, the word no friction. And the way to do that and to get everybody on board is to let everybody know where they fall into this. Uh, They get to know and hear what the customer is saying. And I I think that what Olark was doing was brilliant. They actually called this all-hands support, and it was part of their, their culture with the idea that everybody, no matter who it was, would serve time responding to and answering questions from customers. What a beautiful concept. Now, there is another company that I've written about over the years, one of my favorite companies, for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're St. Louis-based, where I live. Although today, because they've been bought by a Belgian company, you could say, well, maybe they're not St. Louis-based. But their headquarters for the U.S. operation is still here, and that's Anheuser-Busch, the king of beers. 
Budweiser, Bud Light, Michelob, Michelob Light, Classic Dark, Natural Light, Bush. Uh, well, I could go on and on. I worked for them and did quite a few uh, events with them. And they were, back in 1983, the very first client that ever signed a contract. And uh, so they got a near and dear uh, part of my heart. Uh, and I love them. So, but what did they? What they did uh, back in the day when I was doing a lot of work with them is all of the executives had to spend time out in the field, and they would usually drive in a beer truck with a salesperson, stopping at different locations. Maybe uh, they were stopping at restaurants, hotels, grocery stores, convenience stores, basically any place that sold beer, and they were getting firsthand knowledge and firsthand experience on what the customer's feelings were toward the process, toward the the beer and the product, uh, toward anything related to what happened on that front line with the customer. And I love that they did this. It's kind of like, uh, you know, they were an early adopter uh, years and years before it ever came to become a TV show of the undercover boss, so to speak, because uh, I don't think it was about being undercover, but it was about driving around and just kind of shadowing uh, somebody to learn what they could about what the customer was experiencing. So keep that in mind. Uh, what are you doing to make sure that all of your, your employees understand what customers are going through? They understand why experience is so important. They understand what their role is in the customer experience. And are you, if you're a leader and your executives within your company and the leadership within your company, are you taking the time to go out and firsthand connect with customers to understand what they're going through and what their experiences are. Well, that's what this show is about. It's how to deliver an amazing customer service and customer experience to our most valued, valuable people, and that is the customer. And I define the customer as somebody that pays for whatever we do as well as somebody that works with us who is dependent upon us internally. Those are our colleagues, our employees our internal customers. So create an amazing experience for them as well. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Lynn Hunsaker about customer experience. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. If customer service is the new marketing and content marketing is one of the hottest marketing trends, then it makes sense that your customer service and experience strategy would include a content marketing strategy. Delivering relevant content, not blatant promotional content, is part of the value that you can bring to your customers. You can become an influential voice in your industry, which creates more leads, loyalty, and brand recognition. And that's where PowerPost comes in. This solution will help you be more organized and efficient in the way you publish and post content to social channels, websites, blogs, email, and more. And the team at PowerPost can provide consultation and services to help your brand evolve into a modern-day marketer. Turn your company into a publishing machine that adds value to your customer's experience. Learn more at www.powerpost.com. Digital. That's www.powerpost.digital. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back, and I promised you an amazing interview today, and that's exactly what's going to happen. On the line, we have Lynn Hunsaker. She is a customer experience expert, and she's had many years in real-life examples as she worked with Applied Materials and Sunoco Products. Uh, she is currently the CEO of Clear Action, which is a customer experience transformation consulting firm. She is super smart. I uh, I guess we connected through social media, and now we're connecting on Amazing Business Radio. Welcome to the show, Lynn. 
Thanks, Jeff. I'm so glad to be here. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, but let's start off by, I know you have a number of book titles, but the one that applies to what we're talking about today is titled Innovating Superior Customer Experience, and that's available on Amazon as a Kindle download. Just talk uh, talk to us about the book. Tell us a little bit about it, because I think that'll set the stage for what we're about to talk about. Well, I live here in Silicon Valley, and everyone that I uh, meet at networking events talks about innovation and what's the next uh, mouth, uh, mousetrap that they're creating. And uh, the idea of retaining customers rather than acquiring them through some uh, novel idea is a little bit foreign sometimes. So I wrote the book basically to find a common ground with my peers here. And in the course of it, it was just thrilling because I researched a lot of innovation literature, which I dovetailed with the customer experience and customer service industry literature, which I've you know been eating up for the past 25 years. Anyway, uh, in the course of it, uh, a lot of light bulbs went off for me, and I'm thrilled to be able to share those in the book with, with others. Well, give us a couple little nuggets. Like, What are two or three of your favorite uh, ideas? Well, the fact that uh, customers may view uh, us and their choices not as uh, we do in terms of our competitors in the industry, but as whatever alternatives they have, uh, kind of blue ocean thinking. Mm -hmm. The the book Blue Ocean uh, was very uh, instrumental in helping me shift my my mindset from the traditional way of uh, seeing how customers view things to the way that, um, you know, the way that actually I think we all would, would uh, recognize uh, being customers ourselves. Another thing that was uh, really neat was uh, the fact that everybody in your whole organization can play a role in being creative and uh, make suggestions for customer experience innovations. I've noticed that Adobe is doing that. Uh, some other companies are doing something similar where there's no holds barred anybody in at the company at all can uh, make a suggestion, have a peer review board, and uh, fast-track their ideas into reality. So everybody has a stake in the customer experience. That's really the bottom line, yes, uh, because when you think about it in a company, nothing more than a giant team or a network of teams. And uh, in a team, uh, every player is needed. Um, Every player has a ripple effect. And if they don't, if they the don't, right, right, <laughs> and if, if they don't come through uh, or if they don't have a ripple effect, if what they do does not somehow impact the customer experience, there's a pretty good chance their job is obsolete. Well, it should be, yes, because uh, the whole reason for a company existing is that a, company, a customer wants to get something from it and is willing to pay the money to get that. And, of course, everybody loves to have Uh, salary and budget and uh, dividends and so forth. Right. So I want to go back to the Blue Ocean uh, uh, example that you were giving. I I wasn't quite clear uh, when you were saying, I I, I think I knew where you were going with it, but I want to give a little bit more detail because, number one, I'm not sure everybody listening understands and has read the book uh, about the Blue Ocean strategy. But uh, you said sometimes uh, we, as a company, view the experience the customer has uh, as a competitive experience comparing us and benchmarking to competitors of our own. Uh, I I think that's where you're going, but go ahead. Give me some clarity on that. Yeah, I know I've heard other people summarize it with a different take on the whole thing, and what I really loved about it was 
that uh, blue ocean strategy um, is the the idea that you're, you're viewing your business from the viewpoint of your customer, and that includes make or buy um, any alternative that they have. For example, Walt, uh, Disney World or Dis, uh, Disneyland. Um, a customer may be planning to go to Disneyland, but they may decide that they actually prefer to go to the beach or they prefer uh, to go to some other um, historical thing nearby, uh, whereas Disneyland, using the historical industry approach, would be only thinking of Knott's Berry Farm, SeaWorld, right. and so forth. Right. So it's your direct competitors. I mean, I could see, you know, here I am, a restaurant, and uh, I would, and th- I'm going to put this in even more simplistic terms. I'm worried about the restaurant across the street, but really what I need to be thinking about is, hey, our customers may not come to a restaurant not because they're going to the competitor, but because they're going to a grocery store (laughs) and picking up food from another source. And, you know, I think you laid it out beautifully. Disney was looking at Knott's Berry Farm, but now they recognize that income that the family has for their trip, they may choose to use the income for something completely unrelated to Disney. And right. It, it really, yep. you know, the, the beauty of the whole thing is figuring out what is your customer's ultimate aim? Is their ultimate aim to uh, be thrilled with, the, you know, rides and such? Or their ultimate aim is to enjoy nature or to enjoy Southern California? Or, you know, what is their ultimate aim? So you may be able to do some research which identifies uh, different groups of people with different ultimate aims. And then what you want to do is characterize the expectation set that they have across their journey, their customer uh, journey with you or with the, you know, like uh, entities in that realm. And um, that expectation set then becomes the guiding light for everything that you're doing in your company to make things simple. It's a real simplification of customer experience management from the way that we've done it in the past also a very much simplified way of doing uh, customer personas. Uh, I've seen companies that have 12 or 20 customer personas, but if you look at the ultimate aims and the expectation sets across that, you can simplify those and uh, guide your whole business by it and make things much more uh, doable and successful. Right. Customer personas, you mean by that what? Well, customer persona is a characterization of the type of customer. For example, um, some of the electronic firms have uh, characterized uh, soccer moms as the type of customer that has certain uh, interests or needs when the salesperson is dealing with them or the service person or when the marketing organization is trying to get their attention or uh, deciding on how to... create an ad, Who? what kind of person, what kind of car, what kind of uh, scenario are they going to, to depict so that when people look at that ad, they say, hey, that's me. Right. Or when the sales or so, service person comes across that mm-hmm. person, they're like, okay, now I've got a playbook or a recipe for how to match that person's uh, interest. Right. So here's what's really cool, and, and I want to move into some uh, you know, you, you mentioned, I believe, uh, customer-centered management or customer experience management. And I know that's a big concept for you. But what I'm hearing is really cool because uh, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking, is this marketing or is this customer experience? And it is said that customer service and or customer experience is the new marketing. And when you understand completely who your customers are, you're better to, able to market to them. 
when you understand who your customers are completely, the personas, uh, who your competitors are, your real competitors, not just your direct competitors, but every other type of competitor that may be even a more important competitor, as you use with the Disney example, you start to understand more about your customer and thereby create and craft a better experience based on what you know about them. So uh, with that in mind, let's talk a little bit about this customer-centered management concept that you have. Well, all of the above really apply to every single functional area in the company, not just marketing and sales and service. Mm -hmm. Good. Um, Right? When you have your CEO, your operations, your R&D, your finance, your HR, IT, and everybody understanding uh, these ultimate aims that your customers have and the expectation sets that they have across their entire journey and the customer life cycle of your your, uh, dealings with them, Um, now you have a whole... uh, recipe for success that everyone can uh, welcome and and embrace. And that's really the the crux of having organic growth. When your company is uh, vectored in on customers so that you can anticipate what the reaction is going to be to the various types of decisions you're making, you're considering, you know, customers' well-being uh, day-to-day in every staff meeting, every uh, uh, conversation, uh, you can't help but but hit the nail on the head and have uh, com- customers uh, clamoring to uh, promote you and so forth, all the things that we want through customer experience success. Right. So one of the things that, you know, a, a, a customer-centered company or customer-focused company, what they do is that every decision that's made, every new idea, every innovation, every new product, basically everything, uh, they put it through a filter. And one of the questions, probably the primary questions, uh, question that's asked is, how does this impact the customer? And yep. every everything. And they'll make a decision, by the way, not necessarily a, a decision that's going to make the customer happy, but they've got to consider the customer as they make the decision. So, um, and I've used this example in the past, something as simple as, it's time to raise our prices. Question. How is that going to impact the customer? Will they be happy, unhappy? Oh, I'm overjoyed that I have to pay more. And and what do you think the answer is going to be, Lynn? They're not, right? <laughs> well, I think you need to do it in the, the context of a uh, symbiotic relationship. Um, if you're customer-centered, it means that your personal conviction is that if you put your customers first, all of your needs will be met in turn because customers do want you to succeed so that they can continue succeeding. Right. And therefore, raising the price from the price standpoint may not make the customer happy, but the fact that you can deliver a better uh, experience, it could be you're not going to cut services. You're, you know, if, if we, we don't raise the price, then we can't do this anymore. That's going to impact the customer done. far worse than raise. So all of these questions are answered. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, um, you know, you mentioned all of these different job functions and these job titles, and I want to ask you about how do you align everybody to be customer-centered and create that ultimate customer experience. We are talking with Lynn Hunsaker, and she is the author of Innovating Superior Customer Experience, and you're listening to Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information 
All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form. And each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more. All about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back talking with Lynn Hunsaker, and we've been talking about customer-centered management and customer experience. And, uh, um, you know, you've told us that everybody needs to adopt it, Lynn. Everybody from the CEO to the, uh, I would say, the most recently hired person, everybody has to be on board. And, you know, before we get into how you get everybody into alignment, who's doing this really well already? Well, you know, the usual suspects, uh, Disney, Ritz-Carlton, L.L. Uh, Bean, and so forth, the ones that are on the list of uh, best service perpetually, uh, primarily because they started their whole approach with customer experience excellence as their corporate strategy, their culture, and their organizational adoption, organizational adoption and accountability is actually centered on customer uh, well-being. So those types of companies have an upper hand because they started that way, but doesn't mean that other companies can't uh, get there as well. Right. Uh, so if, we, if somebody's driving down the street listening to this show uh, and they haven't started their company already, this is really good, but you're getting ready to say it doesn't mean, yeah, you just, you know, at any point in, in the timeline of a company, you could decide, you know what, it's time to be customer focused. I think that we can all agree, regardless of what your um, expertise or uh, business background is, that uh, the success of an organization depends largely on doing the right things right the first time mm. and every time, being right. consistent. But, right? you know, you're allowed to stumble and fail and make a few mistakes. I think that's part of <laughs> learning human. and getting, getting – yeah, and, and not just human, but it's part of pushing the envelope to seeing what you can do and how far you can go. So how do you get started? I mean, uh, if a company decides they're either starting up or it's time to become customer-focused, what do we do? Well, I do think that every business is trying to do the right thing and, uh, you know, the right, the right time and the right way and all this stuff. You're so um, optimistic. But, but like <laughs> we were talking about a moment ago, you need to know what your customer's aim is. What is their ultimate aim? And when you do the price increase or anything else, when you're doing it in the context of the customer's aim, ultimate aim, and their expectation set, they'll, it'll go all right. Uh, in fact, uh, that's really the whole uh, crux of the matter is context. When you're viewing what you're doing in the context of uh, the hand that's feeding you, uh, usually you're thinking about your direct boss or you know whoever you're going to be presenting to next, like the investors and so forth. But your, the hand that's feeding you ultimately is your customers. And so context is really the key. And uh, any company can uh, re-vector themselves on, uh, in a customer-centered way by re-looking at their uh, strategy and so forth, structure, their values, um, their goals, uh, in terms of is this serving what our customers are trying to get done? Is there anything at odds with what our customers are trying to get done? Can we let go of some pet things or some, you know, whatever other motives uh, we're competing with uh, serving the customer's ultimate aim? 
And this, of course, is uh, easier said than done. It requires the uh, shared vision and personal commitment from every single person on the C team. And not only that, but their commitment to uh, have their organization play their role in making it all happen. So it's not painless, but it does definitely start at the top, and it starts with that kind of an analysis. Right. I mean, leadership has to define it. Then they have to communicate it. Uh, they have to lead by example. Uh, they can't say one thing and do another. Uh, I, I don't believe I've ever told this story before, but I uh, there was a company that we turned down working for. Um, a gentleman uh, asked us to come in, and we actually went into their offices. We seldom actually do that because they you know typically have to travel, but this looked like a great opportunity. And when we got there, uh, one of the three uh, owners were not there, and we asked why. And they said, uh, well, he's not on board with this. And we overruled him two out of three. Well, where is he? Well, he, for today, he could be playing golf or fishing. We don't know, but he didn't want any part of it. And we walked out. Uh, there's no way any company can, can, can succeed in what we're talking about here unless everybody is in complete alignment. And it starts right. at the top. And uh, yep. every, everybody's well, got to yep, heading, heading toward the same direction. And then it's communicated. And I know our listeners have heard me say it. You train to it. The leadership demonstrates it. They defend it. And then they celebrate it when it works. And yep. sounds easy, like you say, easier said than done, I think, is a great way of saying it. Because in some companies, I mean, uh, a larger company could take how long to turn the ship? Well, uh, definitely it's going to take, uh, you know, a few years. Right, but years. they can get on target. They can start the whole trajectory shift within a you know, one or two quarters. Right. You know, you start to see the change, but to get everybody in alignment. And and by the way, when you're talking about getting people into alignment, there are some people that just won't align, will they? Well, yeah, and then you've got to, you know, have a backbone and, and decide what, what's really important to you. Are you going to um, bite the hand that feeds you or feed the hand that feeds you? And it boils down to that. Right. So bite the hand or feed the hand. And I think... <laughs> <laughs> So I think you, you're referring to the hand that feeds you as the customer. Yes, exactly. And uh, um, you know what? Um, I, you know, we love people. We wish that everybody who came to work at all of our companies would be there forever and ever. Uh, but they aren't. They're either going to self-select out, they're going to find other opportunities, or we're going to have to help them find those other opportunities. And if they're not going to fit into the culture, you've got to let it go. And and you mentioned, I call the those companies you mentioned, Disney and L.L. Uh, L. Bean and, and uh, whoever else you mentioned. Those are uh, like the Ritz-Carlton. Those, to me, are the cliches. And mm-hmm. with and yeah, not the cliche cliches. is bad. The, they're the cliches <laughs> of great customer experience companies. Everybody knows them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wrote a book um, called The Amazement Revolution about uh, five or six years ago. And I had 50 different companies listed, and, and many of these companies were the you know from A to Z, from uh, Amazon to Zappos, from American Express to Zappos, um, and many of these companies were you know are the rock stars. The next book, however, was not about a rock star. Actually, strike that. It was about a rock star. It was just not about the rock star that you think of right away, and that was Ace Hardware. But what, okay. yeah, and what Ace has done on a corporate level is they're all in alignment. They're trying to get all their dealers, you know, like 4,600, 4,700 stores that are many of them individually owned. 
And how do you get that dealer network to align? Because it costs money, time, and effort to make this happen. Uh, yet they've done a beautiful job, and as a result, they keep winning awards. They keep competing against big box stores and winning. You know, the, uh, an Ace Hardware store, you know, 15,000-square-foot store, that's a big Ace Hardware store, by the way, is there for, you know, 50 years, second, third-generation business, and all of a sudden Home Depot comes in right next to them. Literally, when the sun goes down, they're truly in the shadow of a Home Depot. And yet Ace Hardware, through creating an amazing experience, which includes service, knowledge, hiring the right people, making sure all those people are properly trained and know how to greet customers and and do what the culture is all about, they not only survive, they many times they thrive even better than before that uh, big box store moved in on them. So anyway, I digress. Uh, Well, I'm glad you said that because, you know, what it really is about is finding the balance between the benefits that your customers receive from your company and the collective costs that they incur, not only the money, but the time, the effort, and the stress. Now, we often uh, kind of sideline the time, the effort, and the stress, but that's really a huge part of why people churn, why, why we have turnover in our customer base. So when you're thinking about customer experience improvement, you should be aiming for preventing recurrence of issues. How do we minimize uh, the, the the possibility that something's going to happen again? Mm. Uh, when you're talking about employee engagement, you're thinking about it in the, uh, the context of how do we engage employees in making the customer's plight better? For example, um, simplifying something for customers, um, making something more smooth for customers. There's all kinds of channels that are being introduced, and omni-channel is a huge challenge right now. Um, employees can be involved in all kinds of things that make the customer's world better, uh, reducing costs, uh, reducing time, reducing worry, um, as well as uh, in creating new features and things like that. But we almost always gravitate to the latter. And then thirdly, um, when you're thinking about engaging customers, uh, think about earning their trust. And if you're earning their, focused on earning their trust, they will engage um, but if you're focused on trying to engage them for the sake of engaging them through, uh, you know, loyalty programs and stuff like that, the, you know, uh, you're kind of cajoling them and so forth, um, that might be short-lived or it may be, um, you know, equally valuable to you as to the competitors because uh, your competitors because a lot of customers actually participate in those things, you know, across the board. Right, right. <laughs> a lot of loyalty programs are more marketing programs than true loyalty programs, and I think yep. that's part of the downfall. If you were to eliminate any loyalty program, which might have any type of special benefit for somebody that comes back and does business with you again and again, would they still, the customer, would they still be willing to do business with you because you're that good? That's how good you need to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't believe Disney has a loyalty program that says, Come here nine times, and the tenth time is free. They don't need to. They're that good. But it's nice when you do have a loyalty program that you're doing it more to thank the people who have been right uh, loyal to you. There are a number of companies that I've bought from for 20 years, and I'm seeing better deals offered to uh, first-time buyers. Exactly. To, you know, I hate that. Thank you note or anything that I would get. Every time I get a uh, piece of, of literature in the mail that tells me I should sign up for the cable and Internet and phone company that I'm already using and it's lower, guess what happens? 
I'm set for the next year at a lower price. <laughs> Because I go and I argue and I tell them, I'm disconnecting and then I'm going to reconnect. And that's a lot bigger hassle for you than just giving me the rate that you're offering the people that haven't shown any loyalty loyalty toward you whatsoever. Right. But, you know, making customers go through that effort is not really that good for you because you're spending time and and resources to to deal with those kinds of uh, conversations and make exceptions and all this. It's just better to be proactive, and when you've identified those customer aims, the ultimate aims and the expectation sets that go with it, and then you're trying to design your whole company around that, uh, things become much more simple and cost-effective. Right. All right, we're at the end of the interview, and I always ask the one thing question. I warned you it would be coming, so what's the one thing you want everybody to remember, or is there something new you want to share with us that they absolutely have to know before we finish up today? Well, I will say two things. <laughs> One is that I'm writing a, an article series on this topic where I'm uh, addressing one of these topics each month on CustomerThink.com, so you can find more there. CustomerThink.com, by the way, is a phenomenal resource for anything related to service, experience, and the customer. So if you go to CustomerThink.com and you go to the search bar and just type in your name, would that would that get us to your articles? Oh, yes. Okay. I'm uh prominent on that site. Great. And it's Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Hunsaker, H-U-N-S-A-K-E-R, for those that are wondering. Okay. So my parting advice is to put the horse before the cart by feeding the hand that that feeds you, and you will be fed. I like it. Say it again. We're going to do the opposite of conventional (laughs) wisdom. We're going to put that horse before the cart or the cart before the horse? Put the horse before the cart. Put the horse. Okay. Good. That's that's what we should be. It isn't the opposite. It's why aren't we doing what we should be doing? Okay. Feed the hand that feeds you, and you will be fed. I love it. I love it. Uh, An ancient proverb by Lynn Hunsaker. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks so much. I love uh, what you talk about, and you know, I have a passion for customer experience. That's all we do here is we talk about how to create amazing business experiences through service and design and and you've given us some some great insights so lynn thanks so much for being on the show thank you jeff and everybody who's listening thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time and remember between now and then and always to be amazing this podcast is a part of the c-suite radio network for more top business podcasts visit c-suiteradio.com